from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the most powerful tool that God gave to humanity. I'm sure you have a lot of different ideas going through your head of what that is, but maybe you haven't thought about what the most powerful tool is. It's the power of speech. The truth is that most people are unaware of how powerful our words are and how much they shape our lives. However, as we will see today, our words have incredible potential to both destroy and to create, to inflict damage and to bring about the deepest healing. In Jewish thought, speech features prominently and many books have been written over the centuries devoted exclusively to this subject, the subject of speech. And today I'm going to share just some of those teachings with you. As we do every week, we'll focus on a verse from this week's Torah portion, the Parsha, which is the portion of the Bible that is read and studied this week according to the Jewish Bible reading schedule. This week's Parsha is called Tazria Metzora, and it covers chapter 12 to 15 in the book of Leviticus. I hope you can find time to read through it this week. Today we'll focus on just one of the verses from chapter 14, verse 4. It says, The priest shall order that two live, clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Before we get into the teaching on this verse, we need to understand the context. This chapter discusses the skin-defiling disease known in Hebrew as tzara'at. We learn about how a person was diagnosed with tzara'at, what happens after a person was diagnosed, and most importantly, how he or she was eventually cleansed and purified from the tzara'at. Tzara'at is commonly defined as leprosy, but we don't really know exactly what it was. What's very clear from the verses in the Bible is that tzara'at wasn't like any other illness for one reason. It was a physical disease that was caused by a spiritual condition. That's why it was diagnosed and treated by a priest and not by a doctor. In the original Hebrew of the Bible, a person who contracts sara'at is called a mitzora. The Jewish sages explain that this term is a contraction of three Hebrew words that hint at the cause of sara'at. Mitzora is a contraction of the words Motse Shem Ra. Those are three Hebrew words, which means speaking badly about other people. According to the Jewish sages, Tsara'at, the skin defiling disease, was caused by the spiritual misdeed of spreading gossip and using speech in a way that harms others. Once a person was diagnosed with Tsara'at, he or she was placed into quarantine. I think we all have a whole new appreciation for what that means these days. In fact, it's amazing. The same word used in the Bible for quarantine, which is badad, is the same word that we are using right now in Israel during the pandemic when we're put into quarantine. 
when we're put into quarantine in Israel is called Bidud, directly from the Bible. And I think we've all learned firsthand just how painful it can be to be put in Bidud, to be put in quarantine, or as the Bible verse is telling us what has to happen in Bidud, how painful it is to be separated from other people. After all that we've been through this year with lockdowns and quarantines, I think we can really understand how going into Bidud, going into quarantine, is totally an appropriate consequence for the person who had Sarat. The person harmed other people through gossip. And so part of rectifying the sin was being isolated from other people. If you can't act nicely with other people, is what I hear God saying, then don't be around other people. But if you're going to be around other people, spread love, spread nice words, spread blessings. If you're going to be around people and spread bad things and make them feel bad, then move away from them. By being in isolation for a period of time, suddenly the person was able to gain a new appreciation and respect for other people. And so what we learned from this verse on Sarat is that it was caused by speaking bad about other people. The consequence of that was having to go in isolation and be dude in quarantine. And now the third part is after the quarantine, the afflicted person had to bring a sacrifice. And through that sacrifice, he became cleansed. Through this spiritual act of bringing a sacrifice, his physical skin disease went away and he was able to reunite with his people. Now, this is where our verse picks up. So I'm going to read it again. This is the verse. The priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. So Part of the purification process involved two birds, one to be slaughtered and one that was ultimately set free. According to Jewish tradition, God designated birds as part of the process because they're creatures that constantly chirp and sing and chatter. The birds represent the power of speech, which the afflicted person had misused, causing the tzara'at in the first place. But why were two birds brought and not just one? Why was one set free and the other killed? The Jewish sages explained that the sacrificed bird symbolized the negative speech and the necessity to obliterate it from our lives, while the second bird represented positive speech. And it was set free to demonstrate that positive words should flow freely from our mouths, We should always be spreading them across the world. It's not enough just to refrain from saying hurtful things. We have a responsibility to use our God-given gift of speech to bring goodness into the world. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. And I want to start by understanding why the words we say or don't say are so important in the first place. They're just words, you might say not actions. But whenever I talk about speech, I have to go back to the day that I made Aliyah, when I moved to Israel. I 
remember getting on the plane after living in America for 21 years, after studying in college, after teaching, after being able to use the English language in a way that I felt was a gift, being able to express myself through language, being able to communicate with others through language, being able to maneuver the world through speech. And when I came to Israel, one of the hardest things was not having speech. I didn't speak Hebrew and it took away everything from me. Suddenly I couldn't connect to people. I couldn't express myself. I also couldn't set up a bank account or the electricity in my house. But even more than those practical things that were hard to get done, I remember feeling so lonely. I remember feeling like I had so much I wanted to share with the world. All of these new experiences of moving to a new country and settling my life in the Holy Land. And I couldn't. I couldn't create something that I wanted to create, like relationships, like thoughts that would be transformed into action. It's extremely difficult to function in our world without the ability to communicate in some way. However, aside from giving us the ability to communicate and function in our physical world, what Judaism teaches is that Speech has an incredible power that we can't even see beyond the need to just communicate. So we go back to Genesis. When God created the world, we know it specifically says, Vayomer Hashem Vayhi Or Vayhi Or. God spoke it into being and God said, let there be light and there was light. He could have snapped his fingers or thought the world into being. There was nobody there to hear God talk. So why did God talk? God used words in order to teach us how powerful words are, that they literally have the power to create. The Hebrew word deber, which means speak, is almost the same Hebrew word as Davar, which means thing or matter. These words being so almost identical, so so similar, shows us what God is trying to say, that our speech creates physical reality. As kids, we grew up saying abracadabra when we were doing a magic trick. Do you remember that? Well, do you know where the words come from? The Bible is the starting point for everything. We've spoken about in past podcasts how Adam gave a name to all of the animals to represent their core. But here, abracadabra comes from the words abracadabra, which means I create with my words. The one faculty that God gave man that he didn't give animals is the power of speech. It's what makes us more godlike than animal-like. It's the one way that we reflect the image of God. Unlike any other creatures, God spoke this world into being, and we continue through our speech every second of every day speaking God's holiness, 
will into this world or using our speech, God forbid, for negative. This is why the sin of negative speech was punished so harshly with tsara'at. To use our speech in order to harm others is to misuse the greatest gift that God gave us. Our ability to speak gives us an awesome power, and it comes with a huge responsibility. If we aren't careful, our words can inflict severe harm on other people. Most of us grew up hearing the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I can still sing it. I heard it so many times when I was younger from other kids. But you know what I've realized as an adult, and especially as an adult in faith who has studied these words of wisdom from the Bible on speech? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me is just untrue. We have all been the victims of hurtful words, and I'm sure that, like me, you have learned that words can be extremely painful, sometimes even more painful than something physical. And they can also have some very real consequences. For example, gossip can ruin a relationship or even stop someone from getting a job. Hateful words can hurt someone so deeply that it can affect a person for the rest of their life. If they were told when they were younger that they're ugly or they're mean or that they're petty, those words can enter the person's consciousness to form the way they look at themselves for the rest of their life. Another thing to consider is that once harmful words are released into the world, they are impossible to retrieve. The damage is irreversible. I always think about a story I heard when I was young about a man who went around slandering the rabbi of his town, speaking bad about the rabbi. And after some time, he regretted his actions and turned to the rabbi for forgiveness. He said he would do anything to make amends. He realized that he wasn't right in speaking so bad about the community's spiritual leader, and he wanted to ask for forgiveness. So the rabbi looked at him and he said, go take a pillow, open it, let the feathers scatter into the wind, and then come back to me. So the man went and he did as he was told, and he returned to the rabbi. He said, I opened up the pillow, let the feathers go all over. Do you forgive me now? And the rabbi said, I'll forgive you after you do one more thing. Now go and collect all of the feathers. And the man looked at him stunned. But that's not possible, he said. And then the rabbi made his point. It's like that with words as well, he said. Once they leave your mouth, it is impossible to retract them. And who knows how far they will reach. Of course, the rabbi went on to forgive him. But this was an important lesson and one that stuck with me. Sometimes we can be forgiven. And yet the damage that we have done can never be undone. Knowing that our words can never be completely taken back once they leave our mouths should cause us to be extremely careful about what we say. In Judaism, being careful with speech is something that's taken very seriously. It's something that we ask God for help with in our daily prayers called Elokai Nitzor, help us from speaking bad about other people. 
Some people have a practice to study one of the many Jewish books about proper speech for a few minutes every day or even once a week, but to make it part of their practice. Some people have a practice to set aside one hour every single day in which they are extra careful not to speak any gossip or any form of negative speech. And you know what? Many people even bring it in not to speak at all about anyone during this hour because everything we say could be misinterpreted. This helps them develop the ability to withstand the temptation of speaking gossip or lashing out when angry or saying something that they might not think is hurtful, but someone else could take it as hurtful. What we learn is that it's just not good to speak about other people unless our heart is completely, completely clean and positive. And developing this consciousness is really a lifetime of work. It sounds so simple, but it's not so easy. When I first began studying the topic of speech, I was shocked at how difficult it was. When I started studying, I thought I was coming from a strong place. I never thought of someone who struggles in the area of gossip. I don't speak gossip about other people. And as a person of faith, I realized the power of my words. But the more I learned of what could potentially be taken as negative speech, the more I became aware of the huge places that I need to improve. As a person of faith, you probably don't think of yourself as a gossiper, but it is so important that we master the ability to withhold harmful words. However, the second bird in our verse, the one that's set free, teaches us that we also need to master the ability to be proactive in speaking good things into the world. We don't just refrain from speaking bad things, but we actually focus on, put energy into speaking good things. Okay, so we have in my family a game that I want to share with you. And occasionally on Friday nights at our Shabbat meal, my family and I will play this game. It's really fun. We start with one family member and each person at the table has to say their three favorite things about that person. So we'll choose my husband and everyone at the table will say three of their favorite things about my husband. And then we'll go to each child and everyone has to say three favorite things about that child, including the person that we're talking about so that they can also see their good points. We move around the table until everyone has been showered with loving and encouraging words. And it is amazing to see how each child glows after his or her turn receiving the compliments. And you know what? Also, they glow after they say something positive about others. The joy in saying kind words is so huge that it brings a peace to the heart, a joy to the family. And just as much as others enjoy hearing good things about themselves, you see how the person saying it feels good also. They know that they're creating something good in the world. My husband and I want our children to experience not only how words can tear others down and hurt them, not only the sticks and stones, but also how the power of speech can build up another person and make others happy. We have the ability, my friends, to build people up like that every single day, to make them feel 
confident, to make them feel secure, to give them the koach, the strength that they need in order to go out into the world and do positive things. It is a chain reaction. There are so many ways that we can use our speech in good ways. Number one, pray, praise God, thank God, ask him for everything that you need. If we knew how powerful our prayers are, we would pray all day long. This is probably the most powerful use of our words because it connects us to God with whom all things are possible. Use your words and speak to your creator. Number two, share God's word with family, friends, and neighbors. You know, sometimes when you're sitting with someone who you might not have so much in common with, you might be inclined to say some negative things about them, start talking about an inspiring teaching that you heard or something that you read in the Bible that encouraged you. You can spread goodness in this way with anyone, whether you feel close to them or not. Number three, say, I love you, or let someone know that you care. Number four, say, I'm sorry when we have hurt someone or made a mistake. Sincere apologies are so hard, but they bring so much healing. Number five, ask somebody, how are you? And really mean it. Number six, give someone encouragement. It may make all the difference in their world. Tell them that you believe in them. You believe they're going to succeed, that you believe that they are going to thrive. Number seven, give someone a compliment. It might just change their day. Number eight, Say thank you as often as you can. It makes other people feel good and it keeps your own heart joyful and grateful. Number nine, give someone a blessing. Blessings are our way of channeling God to bring goodness into the world. As creations of God, as children of God, we have the amazing, huge, impactful power to bless. Use it. Bless your children. Bless your parents. Bless your friends, either to their face or when they're not present, but bless them. Number 10, and the last one for right now, say amen. This one word gives more power to all other words. There is more power in our words, my friends, than we might ever imagine. And every day we have the opportunity and the responsibility to use our speech to help people improve their own lives and make the world a better place for everyone. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue holds the ultimate power, and this is why God gave it to two gatekeepers, the teeth and the lips. And we need to think twice before we open our mouth. We are creators, and what do we want to create? I hope that you are encouraged and inspired to use your words wisely this week. That's what we call living with the times, taking a teaching from this week's Parsha and implementing it into your life. Shavuot Tov, friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. 
If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.